Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike, navigating topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Enjoy the show. is up narrow way to broadway happy monday maybe if you're listening to this the first day it's out maybe happy tuesday wednesday thursday friday i don't know i don't know when you're listening um happy to be here with you i am so excited to be talking about waitress i am biased with our guest today a little bit because he is my fiance ben but he is here with me we're so excited to chat Ben, say hello to the people. Hi, everyone. Hi, Narrow Way uh, to Broadway community. Lovely to be with you all. Thank you for embracing a theater muggle such as myself right. uh, here on this Monday afternoon or Monday morning, coming to you live from Emma's closet. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't know if, if any new listeners, which we actually have a lot of new listeners this this season, season four, I do indeed record from my closet because... I read somewhere that if you have clothes and like towels and stuff, it actually takes a lot of the excess sound. So any comments about good sound quality, I attribute to recording in my closet, which is great. So we're here squished in living our dreams, um, which is so fun. So yes, again, we are here. So excited to be here with you all. And we're going to get into waitress, but we had some questions from the peanut gallery about our relationship, which is very fun. Very Um, nice. Very very nice. nice. Yes. If you knew when we started the podcast, single as a Pringle, I was up in here learning so much, la la la. And Ben and I got engaged about a month ago. So we have some questions, Ben. These are fun. Okay. I have not, I have not seen these questions just to be clear about that up front. So I'll be answering off the cuff. Oh yes. Very fun. Okay. How slash where did you meet? We want the whole story. Uh, we'll give an abridged version of the whole story. Um, we met We met on the dating apps. Shout out to Hinge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both were on it for a very short amount of time, which was great. Um, we talked. I got Emma's number like about three text messages in. Because <laughs> I, I was like, I, I had not been on the apps. Didn't really know how to do that. Emma hadn't really been on them either. Which honestly was kind of a blessing in disguise. So we got off the apps really quickly, started talking. We went out less than a week later and the rest was history. Our first date was at like a lounge, hotel lounge lobby area called the Hoxton in Chicago. Restaurants had just reopened in the city. So we had a super fun 20% capacity dinner on a Tuesday night together. Yeah. Shout out to Hinge. Yeah, shout out to Hinge, designed to be deleted. We will say- We're happy to do a testimonial. Yeah. If anybody knows some sponsorship opportunities for Hinge, if they're looking for any uh, ambassadors, we are a success story. I will say, I don't, you know, it's a a fine story. I would say it's not normal. So if you're on the dating apps and you're hustling, we admire you and we we think you're- We see you. It was not our experience, but we see you. Yeah, we see you. Um, Briefly tell them about- Getting on the app, deleting the app, your conviction. Oh yeah. Um, so I, I, the alg, you know, as you all know, the apps have these algorithms. So like, if you put a certain criterion in your profile, you're going to likely connect with, you know, the people who have put that criterion on their pro- profile. So Emma was like the fourth person that showed up on the Hinge app for me. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is this woman's beautiful, and it would it would appear that she loves our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, let's connect. Um, so I went to check my profile because I was like, I need to make sure all my information is accurate and that I am a, a trustworthy, truth-telling Christian man. And I had lied a little bit on my profile. <laughs> I had said that I was 5'10", which is not true. I'm 5'9". <laughs> and I was like, oh man, before the Lord, I can't I can't start off this relationship on such an atrocious lie. Uh, atrocious lie. Uh, so I changed, I changed my profile. I was like, okay, let's edit that. And then we'll connect with her. I'm five, nine, not five, 10. The algorithm did its thing. It spit me back out into the world of hinge and Emma was gone and I was devastated. I was like crushed. Um, so I was like, no problem. I'll delete the app, 
remake a new profile and just create it as a 510 man, even if that's a lie, because the algorithm will make it such that she'll be the fourth person. Right. Brilliant. I'll clarify later. And the app was like, you can't create two profiles within 24 hours. I was like, oh, okay. So then I set my alarm for 24 hours later so that the next day I could recreate another profile with the 510 lie. Sure enough, I Emma was the fourth person. Uh, algorithms are very trustworthy. And I sent her a nice little message and she received said message the next morning when she was peeing. I was, I was indeed peeing. I'll yeah. never forget that. Cause I was doing my quiet time and I was like, Lord, I don't know. I had been on the app for like, I don't know, probably like three weeks. And I was like, Lord, is this good for my spirit? I don't know. Like maybe I should be on this. Maybe I shouldn't. And as I went to delete the app while I was peeing, there was Ben. Well, also another important detail is as Emma had been praying, she oh, had yeah. felt that the Lord put the word marriage on her heart or maybe husband, one of the husband? two. She tells me this like a week into dating and I'm like, oh my, <laughs> oh my stars. Listen, I- uh, But it worked. It. We are engaged to be married. So yeah. I <laughs> was in the moment. It was a little terrifying, but it worked and we connected. And honestly, about two dates in, I think we forgot we even met on an app. Yeah. So if, if you- if you do it well, you get out of the app quickly and actually go date that person in person. Yeah. It's basically just like a blind date, but mm -hmm. instead of a mutual friend, it's an algorithm. So like I, sometimes I kind of forget we met on Hinge. Well, we did indeed. And but we did. It's fun to tell the story. Yeah, it is. To testify. Mm -hmm. Love it. Okay. So that was how, where did we meet? And that's the whole story. Another a question. This is fun. What is your favorite thing about each other? That one, I think I've probably given the same answer like throughout our relationship. Emma's Emma's a master storyteller. I mean, for goodness sakes, we're on a podcast where all she does is like listen to and retell people's stories. Um, and I love, and she's she's done that for her whole life as a theater artist as well. And now she gets to do it full time in her role at Moody where she produces and retells wonderful stories. So Emma's an amazing storyteller. People are very captivated by the stories that she tells. Um, and she seeks to tell stories that are authentic and beautiful, but also full of hope and joy, um, aspirational stories. And I think I was really inspired by that from the get go, uh, with Emma. And now it's really fun because I, I've been the recipient of, of many of the wonderful stories that she's lived out or told to me. And I, you know, get to think about like all the beautiful stories or the greatest story that she like, you know, tell our kids one day not to be like super cheesy or cliche. Um, but I've always really admired that quality within her. Uh, mm -hmm. she, she bears the responsibility of being a storyteller mm -hmm. very seriously, uh, but with, with an elegance and a grace mm. end of statement. That's very nice, Ben. No problem. Very sweet. Um, thanks. And, and very eloquent. I, I, again, he did not see, this I did not. He did not create an elevator pitch based on seeing this question. He just. But I've told many people that because I think I think it is like one of the core things I've maintained since the beginning that I I knew to be true about you. That's nice. So it's sort of a it's not a totally rehearsed answer, but you just blacked out and said it. I blacked out and said it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my favorite thing about Ben, I like so many things about Ben, um, but I think my favorite thing about Ben in. And, and something that trickles down and trickles out into most of his life is that he is a servant of people. Um, ben loves his people. If you are one of his people and you're listening to this, you can testify. You're probably like in your car listening to this episode saying amen, because if you know Ben, then you are loved by Ben. And to be loved by Ben is to be loved immensely. Um he just loves people really well. He's up early serving people, <laughs> up late serving people. Um, he is constantly just like the hands and feet of Jesus in, in his church and I mean our church and like in his individual friendships and with his friends with kids and, you know, just the ways that he aspires to be a humble servant and an anonymous servant. I remember one time when we first started dating, I was like, what do you want? Because Ben... Ben is in seminary right now, everyone, and he aspires and hopes that God will call him into pastoral ministry. And um, I asked him, I was like, so do you want to be like, I think I was like facetiously asking this and 
when we first started dating and I was like, so do you want to be like a mega church pastor? Like, do you want to wear a Gucci belt and like preach about, I don't know, tithing? <laughs> and he was like, no, I just want to preach the gospel and I don't want anyone to know who I am. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's really humbling for me to hear as somebody who has aspired almost their whole career to just be known by people. So that's my answer. End of statement. That's very nice. I, that's very nice I've, I've never i've never worn a gucci belt just to be clear <laughs> i i don't even know where i would go about purchasing one that feels like a like a black market item or something gucci rs yeah i don't know um yes that's very nice that's a fun question you, yeah it was it was a very nice question what i said what, was you, just what so you nice. said was very nice yeah <laughs> uh, another thing i think last thing really quick mutual attraction for both emma and i and actually i remember having a conversation with this about this with a friend early on when Emma and I were dating, he asked me point blank. He was like, well, does she love scripture? Does she love God's word? Like where, where does she start? And I was like, yeah, that's basically all she talks about, (laughs) which was positive for me as Emma noted, I'm in seminary. So I kind of think about and talk about the Bible a lot. And that, that was a very attractive piece about Emma for me early on as well. And I think vice versa. And honestly, that hasn't, really changed. I think, I think in our relationship, we start there a lot of times. So for all you young whippersnappers out there who sure. are in dating relationships, um, good to, to start with and talk about God's word because it's, it's a good rule for faith and practice. Mm-hmm. Not a, not just a good rule, but the rule for faith and practice. So yeah, the way good starting point. Totally. Okay. okay. Are we doing one more question? Yeah. Last question, okay. but this one's like simpler. Oh, okay. This is the last question. I won't make us do anymore. Great. What is your favorite show to binge together? This is an interesting question because neither of us are really Netflix people. No. Every once in a while, we'll like individually latch onto a show and and watch it. But I would say throughout the course of our relationship, we've really only quote unquote binged one show. And I, we didn't even like fully binge it. What Um, was it? The office. Like Emma never watched the office all the way through. So I was like, Oh, it's, Let's watch it all the way through. And 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 we would more watch it in our in-between time, like mm-hmm. before we went over to a friend's house or like after dinner, after work one day. And we really haven't done that since around Thanksgiving anyway. So I, it's going to sound like a cop-out. We're really not mm-hmm. show bingers. Yeah, I agree. Altogether. One thing that we do, it's weird though, because we like love, we love movies too. We like love yeah. and chatting about yeah, it. Yeah, we like watching movies more together. We... And fun fact, not even a fun fact, it's kind of a sad fact, but uh, Ben and I both started the year suffering ah, from COVID-19. We had the COVID codes. We had the Omicron. Or yeah. Actually, apparently there's no R, it's Omicron. We had the, sure. We, yeah, had, we had the Omi. We had the Omi. And so we watched all of the Lord of the Rings movies, not the Hobbit ones. We watched the regular ones, which I had also never seen. And boy, oh boy, we could do a whole, I mean, I'm sure there's all... I'm sure there's podcasts about just the biblical themes in Lord of the Rings. I'm pleased to report she actually liked them. Oh, I, I thought they were fantastic. Which was great. So maybe I'll start a podcast and do a talk pack just on those with <laughs> Emma as my first guest. Who's to say? Who's to say? Everybody... They were great. We did. We I think we watched all three of those in like a two day span. We did. Because I mean, we had nothing else to do except for just sniffle. Um, except sniffle and like put random stuff on a registry. Yeah, that's true. And and watch Lord of the Rings. So. That Yeah, that's a good point. We did binge that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to actually talk about what's at hand now. We're going to talk about pies. We're going to talk about pies, sugar, butter, and flour. Right. Okay. So, Ben, tell the people – well, I'll tell the people this because this is actually like – I don't know. I'm going to tell the people. So, the whole idea of doing Narrow Way to Broadway talkbacks was actually a result of this experience that we had together. So, Ben and I go to New York – like, we went to New York together – Ben got me tickets to see Waitress for my birthday. And Ben had never seen a Broadway show. And afterwards, we went to this, like, well, actually, you can tell the rest of this this story. We went to this random bar in Midtown. And we sat down at the bar. We were, like, totally squeezed in between a bunch of random finance bros. Mm -hmm. And we, we talked about this show for like an hour, hour and a half, mm-hmm. um, over some very average hot toddies. Yeah. But the conversation was really fun. And 
I, I, like I said earlier, I'm a theater muggle. So I was really just trying to get inside Emma's mind of like, okay, what are all the different things about this show that make it like great and compelling? What are some of the misses? What are some things that I didn't really catch? Cause I am a theater muggle. And it was fascinating for me because it opened up this, just this fun conversation about a world of theater, which admittedly I know very little about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Emma, you can say otherwise, conversely appreciated the the curiosity and we had a really, really fun conversation about it. Now we kind of do that with like a lot of movies mm-hmm. or other musicals that we'll see too. Yeah, no, it's true. So, so I guess first, before we dive into like the, so basically, yes. Narrowway to Broadway takeaways essentially were were modeled after this conversation. Talkbacks. Talkbacks. What did I say? Takeaways. Oh, sorry. Talkbacks. Yes. So they were modeled after this conversation. Um, So before we dive into kind of what this is, I would love to know just like generally what were some takeaways? This doesn't need to be extensive, but like what were just some general takeaways? So I had never been to a Broadway show. I'm I'm from Chicago. We have great theater here in Chicago. I, I, this will, uh, play my theater muggle card very quickly. I, I assumed that like shows at the Goodman or at the CIBC in Chicago, like were Broadway. Cause it's called, cause the whole ticket selling thing is called Broadway in Chicago. Yeah. So people will say they've seen a Broadway show. And then I'm like, when, did, when did you go to New York? And they're like, Oh, I've never been to New York. Right. And it's like, Oh, what? Twas me. Twas Ben. So I didn't, I didn't really know that. And going to a show in, in New York on Broadway, like my first takeaway after Emma at intermission asked me like, what do you think? I was like, Oh, this is different. Mm -hmm. There, there's a different level of skill, talent, attention to detail, expertise evident in this show. Mm -hmm. To be clear, we saw the show with Sarah Burles also. We we did. And in the comparison I drew, this is for any of you all who like, watch sports. I'm, I'm a huge basketball fan. And it was like going from watching college basketball to watching pro basketball, college basketball is still really amazing to watch. The players are really good. They're all going to go to the, you know, the pros one day, mm-hmm. but watching professional NBA basketball, you're like, okay, these guys never miss. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. And that's what watching waitress on, on Broadway felt like for me, every single part of it. I was like, they can't miss. This is awesome. Yeah. That's a good takeaway. I think, yeah, it's true. I mean, and it's fun to, if you've ever been to a Broadway show as like somebody who sees Broadway shows with someone who's never been to a Broadway show, you can kind of forget like, oh wait, this is like the top of the best of the best. And so it was fun for me to go and see Ben be so like affected and and enjoy it so much. Um, Okay. I was affected. I think I was crying like four minutes in and I actually can't remember why. I think, I think we were also really happy to be at a theater again. Right. Yes. I mean, theater was back in full swing and this was in, when was this? End this of was end of September. So, so Broadway oh. had just reopened. You're right. In New York. Yes. And like the spotlight comes up on Sarah Bareilles' face and she's like, sugar, butter, flour. And we're like, the whole crowd is like, like going absolutely nuts, having conniptions. It was nuts. It, it, but it was a really, it was a really, really beautiful moment where people were happy to be back. People, it didn't have to be said, but people were so thankful to have the arts again mm-hmm. after 18 months of it being gone and, you know, cities saying, Oh, the arts are deemed, you know, not essential work. Mm-hmm. I think in that moment it was like, no, yeah, the arts are essential. We need this. Yeah, totally. I think, you, yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Switching topics a little bit. So I feel like, okay, I'm going to read this lyric first. So this is from I didn't plan it. So, which is the beginning of act two. So she says, I didn't plan it, but that's life. And I'm finally feeling alive. It's not right, but it's mine. And it's finally something to feel. So there's that whole song is like this back and forth acknowledging, like, I know what I did wasn't right, but I own it because there's freedom in like not having boundaries. So I I think the show has like a lot to say about what is right, but like maybe not a whole lot to say about what is wrong so, so here's my question. What does the musical claim to value in determining what is right or wrong? Yeah. So we're, we're kind of starting off a little bit with like a critique of waitress. Mm-hmm. I, as the theater muggle, just want to say we loved this show. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, it was amazing. We're going to get into a lot of the stuff that we loved about it, but I, I, I think maybe 
one of the challenges that the show presents is exactly what Emma just said. How do we, how do we de- determine or evaluate, oh, that was a good choice or that was a bad choice? Mm-hmm. And I think in Waitress, there are a lot of good choices that the characters make. There are also a lot of bad choices that the characters make. And some of the bad choices that the characters make, you actually isn't as a patron feel good about. Mm-hmm. And some of the good choices that they make, you kind of feel bummed about. So it sort of begs this question like, yeah, how do we filter out what is good, universally good, and what is universally bad? And I think the show answering your question values like a person's experience or truth as the ultimate determining factor of like, oh, that was a good choice mm-hmm. or it was a bad choice. Like ultimately Becky or Dawn or Cal, certainly not Earl, like none of those people can answer for Jenna's choices. Jenna is ultimately going to decide what is best for Jenna, which I think in in some ways can be a healthy paradigm for decision-making, but I think it's not without its problems, which is right. maybe one of the things that we felt walking away from the show. Right. Cause there's a certain sense. I think what the show does well is that like all of the characters are answering, they're taking ownership for their own decisions. Cause she says it's not right, but it's mine. Right. Like but they know what they're doing is bad sometimes. Yes. But she's valuing ownership of a decision as the determining factor of what makes it a good or bad decision. Right. You know, and even in Bad Idea, which is obviously like the song where we see and watch like the full-fledged affair between Jenna and Dr. Pometer is like, the lyric says, hold me tight as I tell myself that you might make sense and make good what has been just so bad. Let's see this through. It's a pretty good, bad idea, me and you. So I think that the show begs the question of like, what makes a previously bad idea a good idea? Like, is it, because I think the show would claim it went from a good or a bad idea to good idea when it felt good, when it made them happy, mm-hmm. when they wanted to do it. And I think, th- I think there's so much nuance there, but I think that the show has a lot to say about what's good or bad. Right. And, and this is where I think the lines between objective or subjective truth become really complicated mm-hmm. because Maybe one of, I wouldn't say the overarching thesis, but maybe one of like the sub theses of this show is like you get to determine um, what is what is best for you in, in your path, um, subjective truth, right? But eventually every character's choices come up in conflict against the other character's subjective choices, mm-hmm. right? And so then it's like, okay, well, well what's best mm-hmm. then? Um, you know, like Pometer deciding to, you know, sleep with Jenna, Mm -hmm. like to him subjectively, that was a great choice. Mm -hmm. Um, but subjectively for his wife, who we don't meet till the end of the, the production, that's not a great choice. Right. Right. And so at, at what point do our, at what point are our choices measured up against what is, what is right or wrong and Mm -hmm. and who gets to play judge and jury of that? I, I think like, Helpfully, the show presents a lot of questions in that regard, but maybe not a lot of answers. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's what's interesting is that the show like maybe has a lack of continuity, not even the show, but it's like what the show represents in this case of of subjective right and wrong is like a lack of continuity when it comes to addressing sin in general. Because like when we look at so like talking about Earl, for example, like we obviously know Earl is like a jerk. Earl is like a bad person. He is like he's the perpetrator of domestic abuse, mm-hmm. physical violence against yeah. his wife. Like we know this and we feel that and we hate him, right? When you're watching the show, you're like, ugh. and then like towards the, and then we learn that he's like really, really damaged. And so then you're kind of like, ugh, I'm, I'm really sad. Like for him, like I hate that like people who are hurt act out hurt, but we, but he's the villain. Yeah. But none of, but none of that is like, but that makes what he's doing. Okay. Like, it's like, no, that's, that's objectively bad. Yeah, he's still an abuser. But then, so like, and and that's what's hard is that like Earl is using his position of power as like a large, strong man to manipulate his wife. He views her as an object. But then what's interesting, and and I remember like shockingly, the scenes with Earl are really um, like hard to watch because they're really real. Like Mm -hmm. where the rest of the show is really 
choreographed and everything is perfectly in its place. Like that, those are the moments where the show feels the most like a play instead of a musical. And so it's really hard to watch. But then what's interesting is that we see Dr. Pomander doing the exact same thing. Like he's, he's using his position of power as a doctor essentially to like treat Jenna as an object, like, and, and to like sin against his wife, to cheat on his wife. But there's a part of us that's like a little bit okay with it. Or we like kind of root for them because it's sort of made palatable. It's playful. By a, yeah. By a song and dance. And we like know Dr. Pometer and we like him and he's kind of quirky and fun. Whereas Earl, we're like, we hate you. You're a jerk. We don't prefer your personality. And we also don't know. We also don't know his wife. So there's this certain like right. paradigm or this certain thing that exists where like we feel okay with something being justified because of the nuance instead of an actual objective truth or or the way the way it's presented yeah uh, we're like oh the the stuff with Pom- Dr. Pomner was okay because it's presented in the show as fun as playful as mischievous mm-hmm. al- almost childish right um a little bit whereas Earl is going through some really serious stuff and he's he's abusing her. I mean, the show doesn't directly answer that physically on stage, but emotionally and verbally, certainly. And he's incredibly manipulative. But I think, Emma, you're right. Like the, the thing I came away, one of the main things I came away from that show wanting to talk about is I'm like, okay, I don't think we can give Dr. Pometer a free pass. Right. And I actually think that's a strategic choice um, by the folks who put on this show, I, I I think they want us to sort of be like allured by Dr. Palmer because he's this fun, quirky, candidly like sweet and understanding guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also is probably like, besides Earl, the number one person who injects an immense amount of conflict into mm-hmm. Jenna's story. Yeah. And he really takes no accountability for it. Right. So I think for me, it raises this question of like, okay, Earl is very visibly bad mm-hmm. and we see him as, as bad. But maybe the question I want to ask is, are there more covert forms of badness that are just dressed up mm-hmm. a little bit more nicely that we don't really recognize? And I think Dr. Pometer is that personified. Yeah, he What he's doing is really harmful, not only to Jenna, not only to himself, to his wife, who we don't meet until the end, um, and it's kind of like he's permitted to do that just in the name of like sugar, butter, flour, all of us being messy in a mixed thing, bowl of ingredients. Like, oh, Dr. Pometer like just wants to sleep with who he wants to sleep with. And it's like, well, no, we can't just give that a free pass because like upon our reception, it's a little bit more fun yeah. and whimsical and palatable. Like that's also wrong. And I think as a as a Christian patron of this show, it's important for us to sort of assess like even even I, I was like, oh, Pometer's so fun though. Right. And then I think about it a second time, I'm like, wait, he he like literally is so cowardly that he's like willing to leave his wife for like a pregnant woman that he's just been sleeping around with. Yeah. That that creates a really complex set of questions, kind of related to what we were saying earlier about subjective truth versus objective truth and subjective choices. Right. Our subjective choices aren't always right. Right. Well, and that's, I think that's the thing that the show, like I just wish it would have kept going is because I do think that all those things can be true at once. Like I think Dr. Pometer can be fun. He can be a nice, fun guy. We mm-hmm. can like his character. We can, and, and I'm not saying that like as Christian artists, we should be producing art where there is like, a clear villain, a, a clear protagonist, and the protagonist must be like a sinless Christian person and the antagonist must be like Satan. I'm saying like, we need to go a little further in saying that the nuance leads to like the need for some sort of hope. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking about this earlier, like, and also I do want to say like too, like the way that we as artists like portray certain things does matter because If you think about art from like back in the day, like the things that it like deemed okay, like there was a time in in art and in culture when a man abusing his wife 
was like normal Mm -hmm. and considered to be like what happens behind closed doors in someone's home is okay. And that was personified in movies and in TV and like all that stuff. I think we're doing the same thing nowadays with infidelity where it's like, yeah, like this kind of just happens and right. you know, it's whatever. It, it's it's like a culturally accepted reality, which thankfully to your point with abuse, like that's no longer a culturally accepted reality. Right. We've moved past media depictions of that being okay and mm-hmm. just what happens. I think similarly, it's it's dangerous for us to think about infidelity and just like doing what you want to do sexually or romantically as non-harmful like like i think it's really harmful um and actually that's why i really appreciated artistically the choice they made where this isn't a rom-com like jenna doesn't like run away with dr pometer she she recognizes like nope that was a little bit of like a poor choice grass is greener moment for me i recognize that i need to be the mother to my daughter without this dude dr pometer involved so like in that sense i really appreciated that the show didn't go all the way there in terms of like basically saying like romantic escape yeah. is ultimate. Yeah, totally. Because that's, you know, newsflash folks, like that's never going to be true. But I right. think we have so much art, whether it be musicals, movies, um, like music, modern pop music, where like romantic escape is ultimate and like yeah. so many people are craving it. Mm-hmm. Helpfully, I think the show stops just shy of that and mm-hmm. is like, a lot of people seek that, but it's not going to give you everything you seek. Right, totally. Which was good. Yeah, I think so too. Um, okay, I want to move away from critiquing the show. Yes, we have so many positives. We have so many positives. So I want to talk about. Ugh, I want to talk about the beauty of friendship. Oh, this is one of my favorite topics. I, I think what the show does so well is like presents just like so many different kinds of people who just like know one another really well and like love one another really well but I want to hear what you think. Yeah. So when thinking about the, the things that stuck with me from this show, the three women in the diner and their friendship with one another is probably in the top two or three for me. So Jenna, Becky and Dawn, three very different people who work a very mundane job as waitresses in a diner, I think in Oklahoma, like that, that's just a very ordinary thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what the show did so well was give uh, dignity and a sense of beauty to ordinary friendships that like candidly, some of us may even form in the workplace mm-hmm. um, and how, despite the mess that we all are, which is a super valid point that the show and true point that the show makes Um, we can find a bit of hope and a bit of healing in being in community, being in friendship, being in relationship with other people. Um, Beyond that, I just appreciated that every single character in this production was distinct. Like each character was unique for, for one reason or another. And I would say that's true of humanity. Like we are, we are all created with a very, very unique set of DNA, a very unique set of sugar, butter, flour, eggs that makes us, us. That's amazing. That's, that's a testament to the creator. And this show furthers that idea. Every, everybody's so unique. Everybody's got their, their good stuff, their bad stuff. And that's, that is what makes us, us. And I, and I think, that's a really beautiful thing rather than going the traditional route of like super stereotyped characters. Um, this gave us some like delightfully quirky, unique, idiosyncratic characters yeah. that we all can find ourselves in it, it, you know, in one way or another. Right. Totally. I think, okay, I just came up with this question. We didn't discuss this beforehand. So if, if it doesn't work, we can cut it. But Benjamin, I would love to know what is one like concept or 
thing you're learning in seminary class that feels relevant that you could like you you could draw from waitress to discuss? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think what I would probably say is the oh sorry I was too far away from the mic. <laughs> um, the necessity of community over individuality in discerning what our role is here on earth and what we're supposed to do with our lives. Yeah. Where does that come from? So we, we live in an era of, of total freedom, total individuality. And I was in a, a course last semester where we sort of charted the progression of moving from like a communal ideal in Christianity toward a more individual ideal in Christianity. And the last 200 years in particular have been an insane upward trajectory of individual rights, individual freedoms, which some of those have been really wonderful and really positive for society. So I'm, I'm not going to discredit those. Um, but I do think there are aspects of this, there's aspects of both the beauty of individuality and community in this show. The reality of Christian living and Christian teaching is that everything was meant to be held, discerned, figured out in the context of a local body, which the New Testament actually goes as far as to say it's it's a family, it's a spiritual family. And I think a challenge we've created for ourselves is by prioritizing individuality, every single person then becomes judge and jury of their own life with no input from other people on if that is wise or if that's healthy. Um, and so I, I, I think waitress really gets at, like I said, the, the benefit of both community and in some ways individuality and maybe perhaps most pronounced the pitfalls of individuality. Like so much of what I'm learning in seminary could be charting how, how much like individuality has in some ways benefited Christianity, but in a lot of ways, I think harmed the Christian message of being a beloved community, um, of being the family of God, the people of God. Uh, if we're buying into the idea that we get to decide what's best for us, we're kind of negating the context in which like the seeds of the church were sown mm -hmm. and switching back to waitress. Um, there is really beautiful community. I don't necessarily know if Dawn and Becky always help right. Jenna. Like I think sometimes when Jenna makes bad decisions, they're kind of like, go off sis. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe they could use a better evaluative metric right. uh, for, for Jenna's decisions. But all that to say, I think the depiction of, of community and uniqueness is is strong and really healthy and good for us. Um, the other thing I would say, and this has been a long monologue for me, so no, I'll, I'll kind of punt it back to you after this, is um, this show does provide a really wonderful solidarity for people as well. Um, I, think, I think a lot of times in Christian circles, people are scared to share how they've messed up or sinned. Like we've almost gotten to the point where uh, depending on your church background or context, like people have felt very nervous to say like, Hey, I messed up in this yeah. way or Hey, I'm, I'm broken in this way. Right. This show is very forthright about like, Hey, we've all got our stuff. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't help but think like, man, that like the church should be that the mm -hmm. church should be a place where it's like, not permitting that stuff, but saying, absolutely, we want you to bring that stuff to bear, bring that stuff to light. And there's a reason everybody walks away from Waitress saying, huh, like I somehow feel seen after seeing that show. It's because whether you're Cal or Joe or Ogie or Becky or Don or Jenna or Dr. Palmer or whoever, you feel at some level like, oh, they've got something messed up about them. And you know what? I can locate myself in that. Mm -hmm. I think that's as Christians worth considering for us. Are our churches, are, are our our spaces, our communities that we exist in uh, creating an opportunity for people to say, 
okay, I can, I can be broken here. I can, and not in like an ongoing way, but at the very least just saying like, yeah, I, I have my mess up stuff and I want to bring it before these people. Cause I know they'll care for it. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing for us to walk away with from this, this show and, and worth considering. Yeah. Well, and I, cause I think that there's a responsibility if the church is going to be pro like pro communal living or like anti totally individualistic in saying like, you can't determine what's right or wrong for you alone. Then like you simultaneously have to assume the responsibility of like, and I'm going to be there for you and help you do it as like your brother or sister or father or mother. Like it's, you, we can't just be like, yeah, individualism is dumb and then provide no like solid foundational source right. for people to determine alongside other yeah, that's people. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Yeah. So the beauty of friendship. Yeah, the beauty of friendship was the long round. No, no, I asked about seminary. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. That was that was a tangential question. Yeah, the, be- the beauty of friendship is, is very pronounced. And like, honestly, credit to the three performers, like they did a really good job mm-hmm. being utterly delightful and, yeah. and you, you wanted to be friends with them. Right. Like I've... really, really subtle things. Like when Becky was getting ready for her date and, and Dawn and Jenna were like so excited to help get her ready or whenever Earl would come in the diner and Dawn would be, um, Oh yeah, yeah. Earl. Whenever Earl would come in the diner and Dawn would be like looking out for Jenna, like ready to protect her. Like they did really subtle mm-hmm little things to show like, wow, these women really know each other and they're really friends with each other and they really look out for each other. Mm-hmm. I would just say to all of you all listening, think about the people that you work with, like at a coffee shop or at a restaurant or in your workplaces. Like those people aren't insignificant and you may know them and they may know you better than you think. And those are divine appointments, divine opportunities to build beloved, beautiful community with those wonderfully unique and sometimes messed up people. And I think, I think the show had me thinking like, dang, I gotta, I gotta start thinking about my work relationships um, in a way like these women do because they really care for each other. Yeah. True. Okay. Before we wrap up, you requested that we, talk about some random odds and ends we find delightful yes for your words i would like to go first okay great here are some odds and ends i find delightful i love how well this is funny because you actually brought this up but i'm gonna take it like i love how the um whole show takes place essentially in like an apartment a diner or doctor's office like i feel like there is sort of like a thing that feels really accessible about that. And I thought that was really sweet and delightful and made it so we, so we as an audience could relate to what was going on. I just think that the character of Dawn is delightful, just like as a person, I think she's, and, and whoever we saw, gosh, I can't even remember who, who the actress was who we saw, but she was fantastic. And, and I just love how she is so cared for by the other two women, kind of like you said earlier. And then lastly, I know that like, this is like sort of like a stalkery guy, but like, it, it feels a little bit like baby it's cold outside where it's like, you can't leave or like, you're never getting rid of me. But I love Ogie. I just think he's the sweetest ever. And I love that song. We saw, um, oh my gosh, the guy, the original guy. I can't remember his name. He also plays Bach, Christopher or something. Um, but he was also fantastic. And I just think his character is so sweet and delightful. And I'm like, that might be pursuit, like over pursuit, but like, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. He for sure wins the heat check award, which in basketball is basically like the person who comes off the bench and like hits four, three pointers. Right. They don't play a lot, but the time they have, they absolutely nail it. That was the guy who played Ogie. I think his name is Christopher. And he like, Every single thing he did was hilarious. Uh, yep. Just as a as a talent, and again, I know nothing about theater. I was like, "This guy is a star. He's making a lot out of a little right yep. now." Mm-hmm. Um, Christopher Fitzgerald. Duh. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. He was so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, weirdly, I love I love history. So like his weird obsession, him and him and 
Don's weird dressing as colonial obsession with like history and dressing as colonials kind of spoke to me in a, in a strange way. <laughs> uh, another thing I thought was delightful, you know, if, if, if you've been to waitress or know anything about waitress, I'd assume you know this pre COVID they were, you would get a pie as you walked out a of the show, pie. a little, a little personal pie. Um, now in September of 2021, obviously that was not the case, but they still had the wherewithal and the foresight to say, we want to pump in the smell of apple pie into the lobby during intermission and post-show that I I was like, that's just an incredible attention to detail and, and gesture for me as a patron. Um, the, the pies just as a symbol too, or as like a euphemism for our personhood, I, I think was a really, like they almost play it up in a really cliche and like silly way. But I, I, I thought like every analogy that they tried to make, especially in um, She Used to Be Mine, where mm-hmm. Sarah, we had the good fortune of seeing Sarah Bareilles actually um, star as Jenna, where she was just belting out at the end, like she's, she's patient, she's kind, um, but she's also lonely most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's all of this mixed up and baked in a beautiful pie. Yeah, she's, oh, she's all of these things. So, like, I think there are ways in which making that pie analogy exhaustively could be a little kitschy. Mm-hmm. They nailed it. I, I loved all of it. Like yeah. every, every little like pie phrase they were using, I was I was just here for. So I I was I was delighted by the way that they played that up. Um, can I say one more? Yeah. Um, we didn't get to talk about him enough. Joe. Joe, the old man. The old man who owned the restaurant. Um. His song "Take It from an Old Man," uh, like that, that made me cry a lot, um, because I think and theater does a really good job of this across the board. They depict the wisdom of the elderly in in the person of Joe, and his wisdom isn't perfect. Like I think in that song, one of his main lines is like, "You know, just hold on for the ride as long as you can, whatever it is." Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, I, I think that's kind of like a little sad and not super hopeful thing to be offering up as advice as you're dying. But I'm glad that they gave a, a piece, like a full song to him to honor the, the voice of a crotchety old man or what's depicted as a crotchety old man. We, we have no, as young people, we can't fathom how many stories and experiences older people have. And yet for some reason we don't seek them. Um, so I was just delighted by his character. I love the way that he, he looked out for Jenna, that he somehow was always one step ahead of her. He knew that she was pregnant. He knew that she was having an affair. Like he, he kind of knew all these things. Um, I think old people have, the elderly have a lot of wisdom for us. And I appreciated that this show made me walk away thinking that. Yeah, I agree. Delightful. That was delightful. Any, um, any final words for the people of Nairway to Broadway? These people have been listening to me, some of them for four seasons, Benjamin. So we owe a lot to them. Yes, we do owe a lot to you all, uh, Emma's faithful listeners. Um, in closing, I I really enjoy getting to participate in the theater community, like as removed as one could possibly be from theater. Like I am, I am nothing more than a patron. Um, and now I suppose like a, a future theater husband and maybe at some point down the road, future theater dad. Um, but I really appreciate theater's commitment to asking helpful questions for walking through life. And I think while I don't necessarily agree with a lot of waitresses conclusions, although many of them I do, I really appreciate that it had me asking questions that I think are really important to engage. And and there's a lot of parallels that could be made for me, at least, between the study of theology, which is what I'm studying in seminary, and the discipline of theater arts. Um, both of those things are seeking to answer important questions that get at the core of the human experience. Um, and that we're all kind of like, if we're being honest with ourselves, we're all aching to have those questions answered or we're all aching to share our experiences and our stories. And at least for me, seminary has provided that arena, but I've been more than appreciative of what it means to be a guest in the theater community and and how in the same way um, you all ask those same, really courageously ask those same questions. Um, So my parting word would be just, I suppose, thank you for that. Uh, I've really enjoyed the art 
in the last year that Emma and I have got to consume. Um, and also with this show in particular, really wonderful depiction of community. What I would challenge people to think about with this show is what hope is there beyond our mess, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I think this show really validates the fact that we are all messy, but I just want to encourage people like there, there is hope beyond the mess. There is a reality of wholeness that can be had. Mm -hmm. Like your, your mess is not an endpoint. Your mess is valid. Your mess is a real thing, but there can be a restored you after your mess leaves you like really sad and frustrated and dejected. Um, so that's, you know, that's my plug for the gospel at the end you know, of the show, I suppose. You know. Yeah. That's, so, you know, you just know. Light, light stuff. No, um, that's yes. my parting word. There is there is a hope beyond the mess. There is a hope beyond the mess. Thank you. Thank you, Ben, for being here. Thank you, people, for listening to this episode of Narrowway to Broadway. Um, this was such a fun conversation. These are the kinds of conversations Ben and I love having. So, Are we on a time limit or did you have a parting word? I mean, not really a time limit. We're at 50. Oh, okay. Which is usually a little longer than we go. Sheesh. Because you like to chat, chat. Sorry, chat. I like to chat, chat, chat. I just like the arts guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just and gals. Like a theater door. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um. I my parting word is nothing. It's just thank you again, but you stole mine. There you have it. There you have it. Go eat a pie, folks. Woohoo, sugar butter flour. See y'all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed, please subscribe and share with your friends. We release new episodes every week. If you want to keep up with what we've got going on, head over to Instagram and follow us at InwayBWay. We'll see you next time.